0: And this is the struggle you have. You show, imagine you get an advert out on prime time. You show somebody, you show the tinnitus, you show what happens. Your next video is a child in a war-torn country. And then after that, you've got a donkey. The person with tinnitus is long forgotten.
1: Welcome to the Tinnitus Talk podcast. I'm Hazel. And today we have something a little bit different for you. Um, as our frequent listeners will know, Usually we interview tinnitus researchers or experts in the field, but today we're just talking to people who have tinnitus about their personal experiences. So I'm here with Steve and Sean, who both have had tinnitus for many years, and I would say have have struggled with it from time to time. They will tell you to what extent that's the case. And we wanted to do an episode like this because we feel there's... Uh, There's demand out there, and it's something you guys are interested in, just hearing personal stories. It also won't be much of an interview per se, more of a group discussion, because obviously I have tinnitus myself, so I'll also be throwing in my own personal notes here and there. Welcome, Steve and Sean. I'll ask you both to introduce yourselves, and um, I think for our listeners, it it might be nice to know a little bit about your background, so, you know, you are things like your age where you're from what you do obviously feel free to tell as much or as little as you're comfortable with um Steve can I ask you to go first
0: uh yes yeah, so, well I'm uh, Steve Harrison I've uh, I've had tinnitus since I think it's 2003 and that's a long time so you kind of lose track it might have been 2002 uh, you know <laughs> these things get sort of uh waylaid after many, many years. Um, I got it originally from three separate causes. That, when it first turned up, I got it from flu, which blocked my ears and I, I basically, I could barely hear anything. Um, but then later on down the line, I realised I had a slight hearing loss in the ear. I had it tinnitus. And then after that, I realised that I've got an issue with my jaw where I got hit with an RSJ, which is a raw steel joist, on a construction at demolition site. Uh, and that knocked my jaw out. And interestingly enough, I've realized within the last two months, because I've got a new pair of earphones for the gym, that I actually, the bone moves very differently on the left side. So if I sort of move my jaw when I'm lifting weights, I can feel on the left side, it pushes the earphone out. So it's quite a weird thing, which I've only just noticed that I've got this misalignment and this messed up bit of my jaw where I got hit. Um, which does, it plays a major part in the actual volume. Uh, so, I am uh, currently, my birthday a few weeks ago, 47 years of age. Um, and I live in the north of England in Sheffield. Uh, yeah. And also, by way of minor introduction, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I did also co found Tinnitus Hub. Um, and I've been, well, I was on the forum a lot many years ago. And I do music and sounds to help people with Tinnitus so do it through sort of YouTube, Spotify, and whatnot and also casually do bits of volunteering for tinnitus. Not as much as I used to, because uh, life get, has a way of getting in the way sometimes.
1: Right, we should we should get into many of these uh, areas for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Sean, do you want to briefly introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I'm Sean, I'm also known as Jack Straw on the forum. Uh, I've been there for a couple of years now. I'm 29 years old. Uh, I live in New York, uh, New York State, uh, Westchester in the U.S., Uh, I've had tinnitus for about, I want to say since maybe around 1995, really briefly. It started for me when I was a really young kid, I had a station tube dysfunction and a lot of fluid behind my ears. So the doctors put in tubes and shortly after the surgery concluded, I I have a distinct memory of walking into a room and hearing a, a a sound. And I was like, what is that? And I was like, kind of looking around. And then eventually as like a young kid, like five years old, I realized, oh no, that's, that's coming from me. And then over time, obviously, it got worse for me. Part of my own error of not protecting the ears as much as I should. But that's essentially when uh, it started for me. Is uh, when I was very young.
1: Wow! Yeah, you were so young, and you still are very young. You're uh, certainly compared <laughs> to me and Steve, both in our forties. So uh, it's good to have that perspective as well of a of a of a younger person and and getting tinnitus during childhood, which must be. I am m- must be a different experience than getting it as an adult.
2: When it first started, I, I would only hear it in a quiet room. If I had music playing or the TV going or whatever, I I wouldn't notice it. So it it very much habituated very easily to the point I never understood. And also, when you go to a doctor and the doctor says, "Oh, don't worry about it; it'll go away," you you when you're a young kid, you think, "Oh, this doctors know everything." You know what I mean? So if the doctor's telling me it's going to go away, I'm not going to worry about it. So it kind of really easily fell into the back of my mind and didn't really come up again as an issue until more into my, say, like my early 20s until I was like 21, 22-ish.
1: All right. And um, well, I think our listeners can hear you're probably from the US or North America.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And I'm from the Netherlands. I'm, I'm mentioning this because it, it can be relevant when we talk about certainly experiences with the healthcare system,
3: right? Oh, it yeah, can be yeah. quite
1: different from country to country. So thank you both for, for your introductions. And it's clear you've both had tinnitus for quite a long time. What would you each say in terms of the severity of your tinnitus? I, I know this is by itself, a contentious term, right? Because we get in can get into a lot of debates about mm. loudness versus distress. But however you want to define it, and certainly, I, I, you know, it probably is varied over time as well. How would you define the severity?
0: Yeah, I would probably say that there's, there's, for me, there's a, um, there's a split between the two. So the loudness versus the severity, and it can change depending on what time you ask that question. At the minute, I would say loudness is easily an 8 or a 9. It can go up and down. Mine is very much muscular-related. Mine is actually a bit higher that minute because of self-induced, because I've been playing FIFA on the PlayStation. And it's a highly intense game with the Weekend League. For anybody who's listening who knows about it, it's incredibly frustrating at times when you feel like the AI is against you. So that gets me tinnitus going up because I get tension through the neck, in the jaw and everything like that. So it often, mine sort of will probably sit around maybe a a six or something like that. So it's very, very, I can not know it's there, but I can hear it. So I'm a terrible person for concentrating, but... In terms of severity and impact on life, I've kind of moved beyond that. I haven't because I know, I think there's always that little thing in the back of your head that if I stopped and obsessed and thought about it, it could destroy us. Because the noise, having this permanently, constantly, it's just, it's an unthinkable thing. But I've moved beyond a point where I fixate and that has an impact so, it's a, it's a difficult one to kind of ascertain. I would say on quality of life impact two or three. Um, so, it, it's, it's but it varies because if it's very loud, for example, after I had the second COVID jab, I had two days of unbelievable intense tinnitus. In the words of spinal tap, it was up to 11. It was absolutely ridiculous. And it was at wow. a point where two days of that, without a joke i could imagine if i had a lifetime of that i wouldn't be sat here talking to you now because it was unreal it was just so loud wow but yeah it was it was horrendous
1: and it went it went right back down after a couple of days yeah. luckily okay thank god yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh sean how about you
2: yeah when i when i think about uh I'm reading a lot how people um, talk about it on the forums and stuff. Like when I think of when someone says severity, I, I think it does go hand in hand with like like Steve was saying, loudness is one thing, and then when I think of severity, it's kind of like if it's severe or not as bad or like the the, the different tiers of it, it, it. I think it's also like an emotional response, like Steve was getting into. Like I know I remember when my tinnitus first was worsened uh, significantly. I could easily say that the loudness was. Probably at an at an eight or a nine. I could. I, there's nothing that would get rid of it. You know what I mean? No sound, and that was very concerning in the sense that it, it would. If you can't escape it and it's always there, you can't mask it. It's. It, I would say that would be on the severe level. But then over time, I know a lot of people may disagree and be upset with this term, but you habituate to it over time, and it falls in the back of your head. Like I could be sitting in my in my uh, at my desk doing work and be doing something. And all of a sudden I'll think about my tinnitus randomly. And it's like the bells start blaring, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh wow, that's really loud. But it, um, it kind of definitely can fade in and out, even though it's constantly there. And yeah, you kind of just have to, Steve was saying, just not think about it, keep busy and not focus on it. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say my sound is like, I I can hear it all the time when I'm driving, um, uh, when I'm doing uh, other tasks. So I'd say it's probably around like a maybe like a seven or an eight. It definitely has, it, when it first were, got worse, it was definitely like an eight or a nine. But then I think it very slightly reduced in intensity, um, especially the pitch kind of rounded off and wasn't as piercing, And but it's still just as loud. But severity wise, I think I'm more in the... Uh, now that my emotional response to it has gotten better is definitely more in the middle range.
0: I think the emotional response thing is quite interesting because it's one of those things that you tell somebody who's new to tinnitus and they can't process it. Uh, right. I couldn't when I no. when I had tinnitus at first. I couldn't process the fact it's like loudness equals severity and equals distress. Yeah. And it, it doesn't necessarily... and But you can't tell somebody about when they first get tinnitus because no. you're in that horrendous state that you just can't process that information at all. You, yeah, all you, you are is in pain.
1: Yeah, you you literally cannot imagine ever being able to live with that sound. No, I, I, not at all certainly that. it's yeah. not like that for everyone who gets tinnitus. We know lots of no. lots and lots of people have tinnitus and many of them uh, either it's it's very soft, or they just don't care. But uh, but for those of us who get tinnitus and are truly distressed about it, which is still in absolute numbers, many many people, yeah. uh, it, you literally cannot imagine. I, I remember thinking this like it, it's it's there's no way I'm going to be able to <laughs> learn to live with this, you know. Yeah. And then it does happen over time. It's, it's
2: uh, yeah, another difficult. thing is that I don't think. I know people talk about it, obviously, when they're new to the form, they're very emotional and intense about it. I think that initial onset of when someone's tinnitus gets worse and, or if it happens to you, it's also something that I feel like you can't describe to someone who's never experienced it. It is so incredibly distressing and traumatizing. Um, And I think that's kind of what makes a lot of us want to protect our ears and keep going, because going through an experience like that is so intense. That I can't imagine having to relive that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just insane.
0: And I think the funny thing is that my tinnitus was so quiet compared to what it is now. And yet, right. you know, if I'd have had the tinnitus I've got now, when I first got it, I couldn't imagine it. But right. that, that distress with a noise which, effectively, I had to plug me ear to hear it. Mm. And, and if I was in a, a cafe, a bar, or whatever, anywhere else, I wouldn't hear it. But because I, I, I probably a lot of us who are bothered by it share a similar obsessive behavioral trait or whatever you'd call it i listened to it i plugged my ears i checked it i was like does this sound drown it out now Yep, yeah, that sound drones it out what am i going to do if that sound stops droning it out and, and you have all these sort of weird thought patterns but then when you get past that point when you're out and about and you're like yep i can hear it there's nothing droning this out and you're actually okay with it there's a kind of weird switch point
1: yeah, right. you, not, not yeah. for everybody,
0: of course, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, you know, it, it for some people, it might be weeks or months or years, but for me, it was like I think f- maybe four months after onset when it started getting a little bit easier, and you notice that oh, I can hear it now. I'm sort of okay with it at least mm-hmm. for this moment, you know, it might be different in the next moment, but then you, you think well, if I can have one moment like this, right? Where I hear it and mm. it doesn't hugely distress me, then maybe I can have more moments like this. And that's when it's, you know, it starts sort of catalyzing and and right. uh, things get easier.
2: It's funny you say that because I I also thought about it in small victories like that where it's like, "Oh, I watched a 30-minute show, and I didn't think about it once.
3: Mm,
1: and yeah. then
2: from there, it increases in time to a couple hours, you know what I mean? And it, it just kind of grows slowly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the biggest relief was realizing that, because at onset, I had to stop working because I couldn't concentrate on anything. It's the only time in my life that I've had to stop work for more than a few days, it was a couple Mm -hmm. of months, but then uh, after those few months to notice that I could do something, you know, whether it's write a piece, an email, or I don't know, just, just be focused on, on something that you're doing. And Mm. for that period of time that you're focused on that, not consciously hearing it, obviously it's there, but then not consciously hearing it and then ending your task and you hear it again, but you realize I didn't hear it for the past 30 minutes because I was Mm. focused on writing this email or whatever it was. That was huge for me.
0: Mm. And I think that's the thing as well. Being busy is actually one of the best things you can do when you get it. And when I've been ridiculously busy with work, I've got, again, that dichotomy of really busy. So it's not featuring, but really busy. So I'm highly stressed and it makes it louder. So it's kind of, uh, but when you're busy, you can just, you just, you go on and your brain goes into that mode of like, right, I've got things to do. I've got to get on with it. And you don't have time to be distressed, which sounds a bit strange again to anybody who's relatively new to it and in a distressed state, but you just focus
2: on this task at hand and get by. Yeah. Hey, I think the, one of the hardest things for me after it got loud was reading, just reading a book, mm. you know, I, I could still TV shows were, was, was a little easier because you have sound, you have whatever, but just sitting and reading a book was really intense because it was just you and the sound and the words on the page and the sound always won for me. Mm. Um, and yeah. then compared to a couple of years, like maybe two, three years later or four years later at this point. And it's, I like the other day, I sat in my my living room laid down and my tinnitus was blaring and I can hear it. And I just didn't, it just was there and I just didn't give it any attention, even though, you know what I mean? I can still hear it all the time. It's blaring in a quiet room. I didn't even try and mask it. And I can, I can just get on and read now, which, Four years ago, would it would have been impossible?
0: Mm. Yeah, it took me years to be able to read again, like right. properly read again and get immersed in a book. Um, it took such a long time.
1: Yeah, which is really pity because it's such a rewarding experience yeah. to feel feel that immersion. Yeah, so we've sort of you know jumped ahead to the habituation, quote unquote mm. habituation stage that we you've both reached, and we can talk more about what that means habituation. And I I always. Feel it's presented often by the quote-unquote experts in uh, mm. in much too black and white a way. Uh, there's uh, many uh, shades of gray in between, I would say. But before we get more into that, you know, you've obviously each gone through a big struggle. Can you talk more about what were actually what were the most difficult times or moments for you? Um, let's start with Steve.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I first got it um it was that whole mental thing of going through it and not knowing what was going to happen am I going to go deaf am I going to get worse is it going to get to a point where I just can't manage it that that was a huge thing to start off with and that probably I, I don't know how long it lasted now because it was so long ago um but then about a year or two in um was it about a year in I got hyperacusis um and then I struggled with that quite a lot but It wasn't quite the same as the tinnitus, it was more that it really affected work and social. Uh, There's so many things I had to stop doing. I didn't want to walk down the street. Um, I lived in Brighton at the time and every single bus in Brighton, uh, I swear they didn't know what oil was because they just made the horrendous screeching noise that went straight through us and it was just awful. So I almost felt like I couldn't go out. Because there were buses everywhere, and you got that constantly, and then ambulances, police, just all the sirens and everything like that, um, and that was pretty difficult for about I think three months, Uh three to six months, I think it was, uh, and that kind of made us go right inside myself, um, which was it, it was quite difficult, and then
1: isolating. It sounds yeah, like I, you, it yeah. was
0: really isolating. It was, uh, and then I got hyperacusis again. Oh God! How many years ago? Seven, eight years ago. Again, I'm not keeping track. And that was really bad. That was through an ear infection, and it was um, it was a real pain response. Where well, the first one was more like a um, a fear. The second time I got it was a real pain response. And that was that lasted about three months.
1: Physical. Um, so for those of the listeners who don't understand this, you were experiencing physical pain with certain types of noises.
0: Yeah, a, a lot of noises in one ear um so the the worst one was that my other half talking next to us i had to ask her to stop talking um which was quite a difficult conversation at the time she's quite understanding but it's like can you stop talking because it's hurting me ears that's not a nice thing to say to somebody no
1: and it's not just not just right now but like for the foreseeable yeah, at future all. yeah yeah, yeah, at yeah. All, ever
0: just, yeah just zip it for the, <laughs> for the foreseeable yeah yeah so that that was a really difficult um point in time and that was very very difficult i mean at, at that particular point in time i handled it completely the wrong way because i used alcohol as a crutch um mm-hmm. and as anybody who's done that knows that is one of the worst things you can possibly do um it's ultimately a depressant it creates uh, um jitters the next day and you <laughs> you just like everything about it is bad. Um, I know some people get relief from it, but in terms of psychologically and emotionally, it's not a good thing at all. Um, I mean,
1: it's temporary relief, maybe, but yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You might get a temporary relief, but you pay for it twice afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of <clears throat> outset. They're the main difficult points. I think when I first got it, it was the most it, because it was new. Um, because I didn't know what it was. It was really distressing at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the hyperacusis aspect, I mean, I ca- count myself so lucky. I haven't experienced mm. this. But what I've noticed when you look at the tinnitus talk forum, for instance, the, the people who are struggling the most, not all of them, but many, many of them have tinnitus and hyperacusis. And it's mm. the combination that just is, you know, is the worst. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Sean, what, what were the most difficult times or moments for you when,
2: when i look back it, it definitely has to be um I, I and i know i feel like we've kind of t- uh, talked about this so i won't get too into it but it was basically the onset was was just so intense um I, it's honestly one of the things where it's I, I try and describe it to people who don't have tinnitus or, or haven't really dealt with that and it just kind of goes over the head. They they'll shake their head and be like, "Oh, wow, that sounds bad." But I'm like, "Oh, you just you, <laughs> you don't really understand, you know." That was definitely the hardest doing having to do like mental gymnastics, where it, it, you're essentially your life goes from, "Oh, I'm going to do XYZ a couple months, weeks from now," to, "What am I going to do to get through today? How how am I just going to get through today? Go to work, get my work done, and get back home, and and not kind of a uh, and not break down essentially." Um, it, it was intense and and, and it, it was pretty scary that was I think definitely the biggest challenging thing and I think I, and I'm, I know we might talk about this later as well but um also trying to get other people to um not necessarily understand the worst thing of the onset but understand the situation in general kind of like how my lifestyle is now changing um you know I can't do XYZ and having people understand that who knew you before is is something very challenging um because they just don't understand, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, well, this isn't that loud. And it's like, yeah, it's not that loud to you, but it is like very loud, you know what I mean? And that was really hard to to get people to understand. And it was very frustrating too, to, um, in my experience, have people kind of get on board to the point where they understand. I mean, now it's a lot better that people close to me know the situation and everything like that but but in the beginning it just it just made it a little harder because people just didn't really um get it where it's like oh let's go here and it's like oh, i can't go there it's too loud or oh we're doing this and it's like oh, i can't you know what i mean um i yeah. think that was one of the biggest challenges just getting everyone on board and and to to just understand and sympathize with what was happening
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. we can delve a bit deeper into that actually uh, did you feel the same steve
2: yeah so
0: i i had to make to basically, overnight lifestyle changes. I mean, I just stopped going nightclubbing. Um, I went a little bit, um, but I went and then I was um, there was a mixture of paranoia and actual uh, the paranoia that I'm making it worse than the actual of waking up with loud tinnitus the next day. Yeah. But then you also have another peculiarity where if you've got a hearing loss with tinnitus, if you go to a loud place, the recruitment of the neurons um, means that you hear things properly. So the internet can actually be a little bit quieter. It's a very peculiar thing. I, I went well,
1: you mean while you're there? While you're there in the, the day the, after in the night Oh, the day yeah, after. It, okay. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I've, I've had oh, that wow. where um, I went on a, um, a stag do to Ibiza about eight years ago, seven years ago. I can't remember. now. Around about that time. Um, went to the clubs because it was just, I'm here, that's what I'm doing. And the next morning I was like, Okay, the tinnitus is quieter. That's weird. Um, but it, it is because they, the louder the music is, then you're able to actually hear the frequencies that you're struggling to hear when you've got a hearing loss. Um, so that sort of recruitment can have that weird effect so even though I'm battering my ears and probably damaging them, <laughs> so you have that strange sort of
3: afternoon.
1: Oh, yeah, afterwards. that's a, sh- a short-term effect. I'm sure yeah. the the longer-term effect is less Indeed. beneficial. Yeah, yes, yeah. the
0: the long-term effect is not worth it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you you said you used to go to a lot of nightclubs, and then you mostly, yeah. although not entirely, stopped. And it, was that um, was that difficult to explain to maybe the friends that you used to go clubbing with?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at that point in time, I just moved away from Newcastle, um, so I wasn't around people that often. But then you kind of meet new people where you go. But and it was very difficult to explain. Look, I can't be here. I'm just going to go and sit on a table over there. And you kind of look like a bit of a weirdo. Um, and you just, I just had to do it. But there's there's a point. I am very much a person who will just say, I need to do that, so I'm doing it. I don't stand on ceremony for people, but it can be very difficult. Um, it Just they say to people that I can't do this and you kind of feel like you're causing a scene or mm-hmm. whatever, but I, I'm just matter of fact with people. I'm just like, this is what I've got. This is what yeah. happens. And this is why I'm not going there. So that's that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Have you and ever think met... Of... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, oh, No, I was
2: going to say, I think a lot of people also struggle because a lot of people are people pleasers and you mm. don't want to put anyone out. You don't want to be that guy that ruins the fun. Mm. but eventually you do learn to say you just say oh i can't do it and you don't because like now now when things like that come up i don't feel bad about it about saying it anymore you got to look out for yourself first you know mm. and you just kind of got to say i can't do it like listen i don't want to be a party pooper you guys go have fun and it's yeah. fine with me don't worry about it you know and that's just what you got to do yeah
3: have,
1: nope. have either of you ever met sort of total incomprehension like someone absolutely could not comprehend what, what the oh, hell yeah. you're on oh yeah yeah, definitely.
0: yeah 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 i um I had a um, boss from hell. Um, he's not likely to listen to this podcast. Um, uh, but he was a complete. Um, again, it was a language thing. I can't describe him whilst keeping the language clean. So
1: it, uh, we, it, I don't. I don't really mind. Like yeah.
0: you, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm just yeah. thinking for your R rating or whatever you know <laughs> you're going to put. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was uh, an idiot, and uh, he kind of mocked it. And you're there trying, you know, going through an emotional time and you're trying to kind of manage it when I first got it. And you just kind of mocked it openly and you're just like, yeah, that's not cool. But then that's your boss, you know, what do you do? Uh, I don't think it would fly today in the workplace because I think mm. workplaces are much, right. much different. Yeah. Well, it will in some workplaces because there are some idiots around still, but uh, they are fewer and far between these days, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so that was just. That was ridiculous. On the whole, people have been quite understanding, but I am quite good at just explaining myself, though, and I know a lot of people aren't because a lot of people are just like, I'm in distress, and that they can't get across, but I'm quite like, this is what's yeah. happening. And the music connection as well, mm. you know, from an early time I was able to synthesize, this is my tinnitus. This is what it sounds like. So anybody who wants to hear it, it's just, oh, like They play it to them, and they're like, whoa, that's not nice. Yeah, you know, so it, I've got that additional thing that I've been able yeah, to do. Yeah, that
1: helps, that helps, yeah. And that's oh, that's an excellent way to get the point across, right? This is what it sounds like. Put put right. on these headphones and see how long you, you, you can take them. Yeah, that, yeah that, mean, that's kind of yeah. what
2: I do as a last yeah. ditch effort when someone's just not getting it. I say, you know what, hold on a second. Take out my phone. You find a sound that sounds similar to you on YouTube. You turn it up to about how loud yours is in and say, okay, you hear this? Now imagine hearing this and never being able to escape, you go to the bathroom, you do whatever, you go take mm. a shower. It's always there. Then they kind of are like, okay, that would kind of suck, you know what I mean? Then it kind of all comes together a little bit. Yeah, hopefully.
1: exactly. Yeah, but, Sean, have you had what's like your worst experience with someone not understanding?
2: Yeah, so I've I've had similar experiences uh, to to what Steve was describing, where some people just didn't didn't get it and and not necessarily mocked it, but was kind of like uh, you know kind of a, a a jerk about it. Um, one thing that kind of stands out to me is, is the people who um, somewhat, I think somewhat selfishly think that, oh, well, uh, like he can't do X, Y, Z anymore. This is now affecting me and my enjoyment of things, even though it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's people like that. And I, I remember sometimes people would say things like, oh, like you really got to go see a doctor. Oh, you got to really get that fixed. And it's one of those things where you're sitting there and it's like, I spend every waking moment of my day thinking about the next step to resolve this. And like I kind of had a unique situation where I joined the forum, I, I helped out with the podcast in the beginning, and I'd be interviewing people like Richard Tyler, like CEOs of a of, of pharmaceutical company, other big players in science. And I would, before interviews and after, I'd kind of throw in my own personal question in there. And so I literally took it as far as an individual can go to getting answers and to trying to get this resolved. And when someone would say something like that to you where they say, oh, you really got to go see a doctor. You got to do this. It's like, you don't understand the extent I have gone to try and resolve this problem. It just kind of felt like twisting a knife in my back mm. where um, I already am dealing with this really badly. And then someone comes along and insinuates that I'm not trying to resolve this. And it's like, if they only had any clue, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, it's like, there's a quick fist fix mentality as well like they, oh you must be able to do something google on the right. internet yeah you can people get people assume that.
1: don't they that yeah. there must be a fix you know yeah and like why it, don't
2: you yeah. go to the doctor and get, he'll give you a pill and it'll go away it's like no unfortunately it's not how this works
1: nope
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: yeah. yeah i mean there's a, but the thing is when you google on the internet as well you would think there was a quick fix cure because there's so many scams out there oh God, yeah. yeah 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 i mean the latest one obviously you know i've got the youtube channel that i do the sounds on I'm having to constantly go on there with this Dr. Gabenga herbal remedy. I'm just getting spammed by um, fake accounts. Oh, my tinnitus is cured now thanks to Dr. Gabenga. It's just like, (laughs) honestly, but it's a different one all the time. I just get like, I'm I'm constantly having, uh, I report them to YouTube. um, The accounts don't seem to get banned because I get them constantly trying to post the same rubbish on sort of video after video right yeah but, they, and they, but this is what you're doing somebody googles it, it'll be like oh well, there's herbal remedies oh yeah look, there's homeopathic. <laughs> homeopathic yeah no there's oh yeah water and sugar let's
1: not talk about homeopathy yeah, yeah. yeah don't get me yeah, started let's not go
0: there like, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but
1: that no that it's so true we were you know a while back working on the google ads uh for our organization oh, and, and yeah and uh we were testing you know what happens when you type in certain keywords tinnitus mm. cure etc uh, ringing ears da, dee, da and uh the top like you know you get seven ads out of which five or six are scams like pure mm. scams so so that's yeah. what people see when they when they google
0: well that's an in slightly off topic as well so that that's another thing as well where i, I don't get an awful lot of traffic compared to other sites because i will not lie um so yeah i go and there's like a youtube video it gets 1.2 million views in a year because it says the most amazing tinnitus cure ever yeah because it lies but the youtube i contacted youtube recently about it and said look your algorithm is prioritizing scams yeah but i'm i'm here trying to because i had a traffic drop recently i figured out what it was by the way youtube make videos um ads mandatory since last november Mm. so of course there's somebody who's got music on there, there specifically to help people with tinnitus people getting bombarded by video ads that i've got no control over oh, not my, my traffic God. time uh, which i was kind of like i was trying to get the bottom of it and then all of a sudden it was like oh but if i would if i lied i would get loads of traffic but because i'm honest and i tell the truth i get a tiny proportion of it it's terrible and it's, yeah, but it's, it's the shocking. way the internet works as well yeah, you, yeah. which is one of the things which is most harmful to people with tinnitus that they'll go on their first thing and go they want to cure And what do they get? Scam after scam. Because nobody with any integrity would actually try and sell you a turn it as cure.
2: And And the worst thing about that, though, is that some of those quote unquote cures or can very easily make someone's tonight is significantly worse. Like I saw one doctor. Oh, you just got to smack your ear around, and it's like, oh god, what? god. Yeah. <laughs> It's Like <that>. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, uh.
1: Uh, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. At least the the supplements are probably the least uh, harmful ones. But right. supplements mm. are very can be very expensive. I mean, he- right. people can spend okay. uh, up to like a thousand a year on on supplements that don't do anything well hopefully they at least make you somewhat more healthy but
0: yeah at least you're getting something for your money though you know that yeah. it's right, questionable and very questionable yeah. what they actually do for sinners but yeah at least you're supplementing your magnesium yeah, yeah whatever it, it is yeah, and yeah, you yeah. get you're getting actually a product for it whereas yeah these um scam products are just you know a bit of nothing and it is yeah. all it's Pure money making.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, there was that one that cured your tinnitus through quantum mechanics or something. Uh, this was years ago, but you know the claims indeed. are out- outrageous. We won't name them, but yeah.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I have yeah. had experience of legal yeah. action from yeah. questionable, shady organizations in the yeah, past. So ex- uh, let's exactly. be clear of that one for the. Uh-
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah um but uh so we we've drifted a slightly off topic but uh, yeah. you know we were sort of getting into the area of medical help or se- seeking help treatment etc from the medical profession I, i'd like to hear from both of you like what have you tried like what doctors have you seen have you tried specific treatments was there anything that helped or was it in the end you know all any progress you've made is like 100% down to your own uh you know efforts Yeah,
0: uh, i mean that will will probably have quite different experiences based on a, a national health so, uh, service yeah. and a, a private service um but my initial experience was very poor um i got the obligatory tests i got the um hearing test which was kind of not very useful because i was in a class booth and i could see the audiologist pushing the keys on a keyboard so I'm, i've got cues of when to listen so i didn't really get a oh, very good hearing you were cheating
1: basically yeah
0: either yeah no but <laughs> yeah. You, you're looking at a lifelong gamer here it's an <laughs> Advantage, an you know it's like oh i'm taking that yeah yeah I actually don't get started on that yeah I, I don't cheat at games and i never would but but there's a there's a sort of like oh look okay, at yeah. um so they it it was a gamification actually but then i I got the mri to check it wasn't acoustic neuroma and then basically saw a consultant who just said you're gonna have to learn to live with it by um and Mm. it was as cutting as that it was very much see you later and i got sort of spat out the other side and then i did try again a couple of times i got some white noise in-ear white noise generators and then i got it was like an information day and it was pretty useless for me. Um, I was about thirty years younger than anybody else on the information day. Hmm. So it really wasn't geared towards me at all. Uh and other than that, yeah, I've not really had any. So all of my actual medical or interventions have been self guided. Because again, just from I, I made my own music, made my own sounds, I did my own audio therapy. Um, and then I've done other little bits and bobs, but nothing has actually helped me as much as what
2: I've done myself. Mm. How about you, Sean? I'm kind of conflicted because I feel like, uh, especially my experience in the US, that kind of doctor's knowledge and what they learn in medical school about tinnitus is extremely poor. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you go to any general practitioner, they'll give you the two second blurb that they learned when they were in school, which was, oh, it'll go away. That's That's what they always say. Um, but when I initially got it, I went to an ENT and I was very lucky. He was a a very nice, compassionate man and he didn't sugarcoat it, but he was very understanding where he was just like, you know, I, and I, you could kind of ask like, is it going to get better? Is it going to go away? And he essentially was like, I can't tell you yes or no. You know, he didn't, he didn't try and make me feel that give me false hope. He was very straightforward, but he was also very sympathetic where he was like, listen, I'm really sorry. I know this is very, uh, distressing to you. I understand completely. I wish I could help you. I really do. And essentially he said, the only kind of hope you have is to maybe check for getting an MRI and, and getting whatever. So I was sent to then a second doctor who was a neurologist slash ENT. I forgot the exact terminology was. And essentially this doctor was the opposite. You know, you go in and she was, she gave me a hearing test with a, um, uh, a, a, a sound threshold test, which I originally asked. Uh, imagine you just have your tinnitus get worse, and your ears are really sensitive. And you sit down in this audio, and I even said to the just "Like, oh, please don't, please don't play any loud noise or anything. My ear is really sensitive." And with the, in the test, she plays a, a loudness uh, threshold test. It was it, it was brutal. I'm not going to lie, and it, it temporarily made for like two or three months after that, my tinnitus even worse than, than it was. Um, and she was like, well, this is a safe level. Like this is a safe level. And I was like, okay, maybe (laughs) she, the, 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 uh, the audiologist didn't get it. But then even when I saw the doctor afterward, it, it was a terrible experience because she essentially made it seem like tinnitus isn't that bad. It's, it's not distressing. You're just making it worse than it is. I think you have a mental illness. That's the problem here. And it, it, I literally just kind of stood up and was like, "Thank you," and just left because that's I was just like,
1: "Astounding! Yeah, that, yeah, it's so it's so disrespectful, isn't it? I mean, the one thing you want at the the very minimum, even if they can't do anything for you, is to be taken seriously and not right. to be told you're delusional or something."
2: You know? No, right, and 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 that's unfortunately the a good showing of the difference levels of what doctors understand, like both doctors understood what tinnitus was, the ENT and then the neurologist, but the level of compassion was completely different. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the, also another traumatizing experience that a lot of people have when you go to the doctor and they downplay it or make it seem like it's not a big deal. And it's like, yeah, they just don't get it. I understand that it's ignorance on their part, but a doctor should always be compassionate and sympathetic.
1: Yeah, I agree. Compassion is the most important thing. Uh, sorry, yeah. Steve, I, I know you wanted to say something else, but I want to also throw my own experience in here. I had, I had some funny experiences with GPs mainly. So I actually had pretty good experiences with, well, there was one ENT and an audiologist that I went to at Reasonably good experiences, but my first point of contact, of course, and this is how it works in the Netherlands and many countries, first point of contact is the GP. So I actually saw several GPs within the same practice, and I got some really weird responses. So one of them said, Oh, it can't be that you have chronic tinnitus because you're too young. I was in my <laughs> yeah, I was in my late 30s, mind you, and well, even if I'd been in my teens, it doesn't matter, we know for a fact. It's, you know, it's less common, but we know for a fact you can get chronic tinnitus even in childhood. So that was just false. Um, and then there was another doctor, a GP who asked me, she literally asked me, are you sure you have tinnitus? Which again is like <laughs> questioning my sanity or something. Yeah, like, are right, you sure? Right, right. And I I literally told her, well, gee, I don't know. I hear constant noise in my head. What do you think it is? Yeah, so mm. it, it's just I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and there was another GP who, uh, Steve, you like this. She tried to prescribe me a home- homeopathic uh, treatment <laughs> uh, for for my dis- for my anxiety. Right, and, and wow. I said I don't believe in homeopathy. And she said, Well, you know, I'm a I'm a trained medical professional, so neither do I. <laughs> but I still prescribe it. And it <laughs> she, she said, there's still the placebo effect. I said, well, I think you kind of ruined that one now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: so I just had weird experiences with GPs. It was, yeah, yeah. very strange.
0: It, I think they're not really geared up. That's so What I was going to say was about the um, piece of research, I think came out of Nottingham many years ago. And uh, I, I hated it because it was talking about tinnitus and neuroticism. Amongst mm, people with polycystitis, yeah, I hate the terminology and I hate the words, but I understand the paper because I know that I would not describe myself as neurotic. However, you talk about neurotic tendencies, but it's a horrendous mm. word, and I don't want to be badged for that word because it's no not one the right... wants
1: to be called neurotic. No, no but uh, it... but I think I might have neurotic tendencies. I will admit, yeah, yeah. Ab-
0: absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's the obsession; it's the whole thing of it. And you, you can recognize the traits in there, but. Saying neuroticism was just a horrendous choice of words. It
2: should have been something different. So, but it's quite interesting. Did they put that on a paper for you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was on a paper. If you have tinnitus and it bothers you, it's because you have this. Oh, wow. It wasn't as,
0: it it didn't quite, it didn't put it like that, but it was the title of the paper. I I can't remember the full title, but it, it did. It said about tinnitus and neuroticism. Now, that is an awful title for a paper because you tell somebody who reads the title and an abstract. Oh, yeah, tinnitus patients so are neurotic. Um oh, which, wow. You know, it's it's really unhelpful. And then what happens? An uneducated GP. Quick Google. All oh, right, neuroticism. Yeah, well, yeah. So you've got like... Um, you've got to be really careful with those sorts of things i think with research especially which will get taken out of context um you know you'll get a headline in a newspaper taking a whole paper out of context and only using one tiny little sentence from it and expanding right. upon that for an article so yeah but so but i do think we do share those characteristics and tendencies certain ones of them anyway those of us who are bothered by us <laughs>
1: This is Hazel interrupting your broadcast.
4: I object! How dare you interrupt <laughs> such an interesting conversation? This is Marco joining in for a quick message.
1: Uh, Marco, you started the to Talk forum 10 years ago, and now we have the podcast as well. You edit most of the episodes and are kind of like the guru behind the scenes. Why is this important to you?
4: Well, I don't know about the guru thing. Like, We have such an amazing team of volunteers, and it's really a team effort. But for me, it's all about the connection. Struggling with my own tinnitus has made me want to help others in the process as well.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and I feel the same way. It's about trying to turn a negative experience into something positive by reaching out to others.
4: And we definitely don't want anyone to feel like they are in this alone. We all know how lonely tinnitus can feel. Pretty much nobody understands what it's like to live with a noise that really does not go away at any point in time if they don't have it themselves. So we try to connect people, but also help them learn about tinnitus by interviewing cutting-edge researchers, biomedical companies, and the real-life experts, those with tinnitus.
1: How do you think the podcast has evolved over the past two years?
4: I would like to think we have become more professional. But also, we try to be responsive to people's needs and interests.
1: Yeah, and I think this episode is a good example of that, because we're responding to this need that exists out there to hear more personal stories from people living with tinnitus. So what can people do to support us if they want?
4: You can leave a positive review on your podcast service like the Apple Podcasts. You can share us on social media such as Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, maybe even TikTok. Or you can volunteer your skills by sending us a message. And if you want to go above and beyond... There's always a possibility of supporting us financially.
1: If you choose to support the podcast, you will allow us to make more episodes and you'll get access to more Tinnitus Talk materials and other nice perks.
4: Plus, we have video versions of many of our interviews. So check it out on moretinnitustalk.com.
1: I'd like to get into um, maybe some tips and tricks and, and hear from each of you. What were the things ultimately that have helped you most to cope with your tinnitus um steve do you want to start
0: yeah so i am a not practice what you preach person so for all the things that i've done with research and researchers and everything like that i have not really done an awful lot to treat my own tinnitus other than just get on Um, with the exception of the music and the sounds that I do that, that kind of is its own therapy. But outside of that, I would tell other people what to do and say, you need to find out this, find out that. But I mean, it took me about seven or eight years to realize the cause of the jaw, um, and the influence of the neck. You know, I didn't diagnose myself. I didn't do anything myself. So, uh, TLDR, I'm rubbish. Um, (laughs) my, my tips are, you just have to kind of plough on and it'll get better, sort of. <laughs> sort <laughs> of. <it>, yeah, it <laughs> might not get better, but you'll might, just kind It might
1: of, get better, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs>
0: it, might, it might not, but my, mm. my kind of thing is, but then I think, as we know from the first research project we did at Tinnitus Hub, self-guided audio therapy mm. was with one outlier, of course. The most helpful thing for people yeah. with tinnitus, it had the best results. And I think self-guided, audio is the best thing you can do is distraction and actually go on at that. That I do have a tip. Yeah. Which is the the distraction and stopping yourself from obsessing on it. Um, it's not something I did. It, the obsession was something I did, but I wish that I'd used audio in the early days to actually stop listening to it. So I wasn't constantly listening to see if it was there, if it was getting worse or anything like that. That would be the one thing I think is the most important thing because you for me, you should really be trying to stop it from getting ingrained in the brain. Do you want to create um, a stop and say, I'm not listening to the I'm not going to make it a permanent fixture in the brain. So yeah. distract yourself and try not to hear it, which yeah, is yeah. easier said than done.
1: Obviously, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that those obsessive tendencies can certainly make a distressing situation even worse um I, yeah. I i will by the way ask you a bit more about the audio stuff steve uh, later uh, and and your views on sound therapy etc but but i want to hear first from sean um what his tips and tricks are or what has helped you personally most
2: no yeah um i i, I do agree with what steve is saying you, you you and i it's it sounds cold you know when you say it but it's one of those things where you just you do gotta just gotta get on with it um as, I'm not saying that's easy that's that's not easy that's that's really challenging and I think a lot of us don't realize how strong we are like looking back and and me getting through it getting on with it i i, I didn't think I would be able to do it, but looking back, I was like wow I, I was I'm definitely impressed that us and a lot of other people, especially on like tonight's talk and we here too, can just get on with it um I think my main uh tip would be to you gotta some somehow in that onset in that beginning is to especially reduce. Uh, your stress level because your stress level is kind of like a corkscrew that's digging it deeper into your brain and making it more apparent and making it worse. Um, you got to either stay distracted, do something that can try and help you relax, whatever it is. Exercise is, is, is great. You know, really exhaust yourself out um, because if you're sitting and you're stressing about it, thinking about it, and you're not distracting yourself, like Steve said, it's just going to corkscrew in and just and just like plant in there where you want to do the opposite where you want to avoid it as much as possible. I know that's a hundred times easier said than done, but realistically, that is what you have to do,
1: yeah. I mm-hmm. would agree. I think stress management probably has been my main coping strategy Mm -hmm. and that's both by the way managing the stress directly resulting from tinnitus but also just generally managing stress in your life because as we all know although that all that other stress from work and life etc can exacerbate your tinnitus or cause you to suddenly pay more attention to it and and things like that so Mm. yeah I think it for me it started me on a whole journey of just um, stress management in general and it got me into well I was already doing yoga but got me deeper into yoga. I started meditation, which I still do from time to time and just generally trying to take better care of myself, which is probably a good idea for, you know, for any kind of health issues. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I'd also say if like someone, if you have a hobby, that's like ear healthy, you know, maybe playing rock and roll music is the best hobby after it gets worse. or You get tinnitus. But if you have a hobby, I think you have to selfishly throw yourself into it and really distract yourself as much as possible in the beginning so it doesn't you don't just sit there and think about it all the time
0: yeah i agree and i think it'd be interesting actually to hear what you think here is all about the same that you took off work um was mm-hmm. that beneficial or not because i would have thought that actually was potentially a bad thing in the long run
1: yeah that's a good question i mean i don't think there was at the onset i don't think it would have been possible i, mean, I had to continue yeah. working it's just the distress was was so bad that, and, and again, it's the only time in my life that I've experienced that because I have since and before experienced you know, bad periods in my life and, and certainly mm-hmm. suffered from anxiety from time to time. And, you know, I, I, I seem to have this amazing trait as well of where it can be Uh, well I think it's uh, amazing probably many people have it with anxiety will relate to this but I can be really I can feel a lot of anxiety and then I have a work meeting and I'm like okay I just I just have to do this so I'm just gonna go Mm -hmm. into the meeting and like Mm -hmm. you know a second before I was like you know maybe I was in tears or like feeling I couldn't cope and then I'm I'm giving a presentation in a in a mm. work meeting. Like <laughs> I've 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 had I've I've been in that situation many times. So, but uh, the onset of the tinnitus, I I think it was kind of beyond that. Like I it just wouldn't have been possible. Like I, I just couldn't. Um, but you're right that getting back to work and not leaving that too long. That was a a, a good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I first got back to work part-time, like, yeah, that that was really important. And I can imagine if you don't do that and you leave it for a year or longer, it just becomes even more and more difficult, becomes more of a Mm -hmm. hurdle and then um the tinnitus will take such a central role in your life right because yeah. you don't have work has always mm-hmm. been really important to me and i'm sure for many people and it was really important to go back and have something else take a big central role in your life again
3: right
0: yeah and it, be, i think it could become easy after a time to say well i can't do that because the tinnitus tinnitus stops me from doing this tinnitus means i can't do that you can develop a very negative attitude towards it rather than I'm gonna do this and that's that.
1: That's true. If you're always in can't do mode, then you're Mm. never gonna try anything and it's just gonna get worse, yeah.
2: Mm. What's actually interesting is um, I I kind of, so when you were talking about whether you think it was beneficial to to stop or, or go back to work, I remember for the first time ever in my whole life, I looked forward to going to work and hated coming home at night and sitting at and being at home on the weekends because when I'm at work, I was distracted. People would come talk to me. I would, you know, it was a constant thing. Mm. My tinnitus was very easily in the, in more so in the background. Whereas when you get home, when you try and watch a TV show, it's like, it's easy for your mind to wander and think about it or whatever. You know what I mean? So Mm. I I was happy that I was able to kind of in that period, throw myself into working because it was um, a good distraction for me. I think Mm. the
0: parallels of stress and anxiety as well as the do say that you actually should not, come away from work you should carry on, as long as the work isn't the cause of your stress and anxiety right, right. Of your mm, yeah but you should carry on with it and carry on with normal things because if you move away from it it just it intensifies everything yeah, yeah
1: it's it's true yeah yeah do you guys have any specific tips for people who experience a worsening in their tinnitus and because and, I think you've both had that experience right. where you kind of you were coping with it quite well, and then something somehow makes it worse. Um, how do you deal with that?
0: Oh well, I, I I think that that would be the low points for me was whereas it's worsened several times. Um, I, I did. I mean, after I went on a treatment trial, it worsened quite significantly. After I got an ear infection, it worsened quite significantly. Those points, I do you know what I, I don't have a tip for it because i just had to wait it out um i just had to just i don't know just get on um and it wasn't easy it was very very difficult i don't know if uh, well for me anyway i don't know if there is a way i think it's just a case of you almost have to just wait it out until you habituate to it in some way whether it's the noise going back down again which has happened or whether it's just the fact that you hit that psychological point of being able to go on or get all right again
1: Sean how about you
2: to be honest with you it's it's kind of the I guess the same type of thing we've been talking about where it's you got to treat it the same way as when it when you first got it you just got to kind of push through it and like I said it's not it's not something that's easy that you can just it's easier said than done um but I guess there's no really alternative you kind of just have to stick it out you know tell yourself I have been through this, I, I've before, you know, I can do it again, it, it, it'll hopefully go back down. Um, another thing that people seem to talk about that's upsetting to them is when it does get worse, they blame themselves and they get really upset about it. And I used to have that kind of feeling of guilt as well, because I was pretty much when it when it got worse, I was at the, probably the lowest point in my entire life, it it was brutal. Um, and then I realized that you know what, based on what we know about tonight and how things work, it's going to get you eventually. You know, whether that one thing that you did happened or not, it, unless it's like a massive acoustic trauma, if it was you just went to a concert or whatever, and this happened, that happened, it's going to get you eventually. So you can't feel too bad about it when it gets worse, because it was going to happen now, two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, it was going to happen eventually. So don't don't beat yourself up about it, essentially.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Mm. I think many people experience that guilt. i would kind of forgotten about it, but I did experience guilt in the the beginning. And then just like you, I kind of came to a realization that, hmm, if there's such a thing as being predisposed to tinnitus, which by then, you know, having done some research and read some academic papers i do believe that probably is the case then it's it doesn't really matter whether it's this trigger today or another trigger a year from now it's probably gonna get triggered so
2: right you just it just it maybe came on a little earlier but it was coming anyway so
0: yeah i think you're right actually i hadn't thought about that but of course for mine originally which the original thought was from not protecting me ears out on um, construction sites and yeah, there is an, there was an element of guilt in that I just thought, I can't believe I've done that. Why did I not just reach for the ear defenders? Why did I not put them in?
1: Yeah, of course, and of course that's not that's no reason to you know th- this rationales is not saying you shouldn't be protecting your ears obviously (laughs) i think we all agree you know you should do whatever you can to to protect your ears within reason and still being able to lead a somewhat normal life but yeah yeah, certainly not unnecessarily expose yourself to to loud sounds yeah yeah. i mean i i you know i put um hearing protection on when i vacuum clean for instance vacuum cleaners are actually really really loud um Mm -hmm. I think that those kind of things just makes makes sense, and I don't view that as you know being fearful of sound. I'm not anymore fearful of sound at all. I never think when I walk down the street like, oh my god, it's going they're going to be loud sound. Or I never, right. I don't avoid sort of normal everyday experiences because of fear of sound. But I think it's only rational to when you're know you're going to be picking up the vacuum cleaner and it's going right. to be making a loud noise that I put oh, on yeah. hearing protection. Yeah,
0: yeah. We used to have a Dyson. Unbelievably loud. It is like a little jet engine. Those things are crazy. The one we've got now is relatively quiet. But yeah, it was. And you're right. But again, we've got a deeper knowledge through all of the integration with researchers that we've done. And you know, there's there's that thing of now you, you understand that actually the synaptic connection could be getting damaged where the ears aren't getting damaged. So the lower volumes could still be damaging. Right. That. So we we know these things. So we're, <laughs> we're we're cautious with good reasoning behind it. Right. And yeah. I think
2: that that's the pitfalls when people first get tinnitus. They will overprotect, which we now know can make someone develop hyperacusis or make their tinnitus worse. So mm. well, that's how I got my hyperacusis at first. Uh, oh, can you expand
1: on that? Uh, and how are you sure that that's was that was the case?
0: Uh, well, I, I used to wear them all the time. I wore them in the car. I wore them anywhere that I possibly could, so I'd have them on loads. Yeah, um, earmuffs so. or? Uh... Uh, in-, in ear. Uh, in ear ear plugs
1: foam plugs yeah
0: so it it just i just used them constantly because i was paranoid that um and and i thought that the car was loud because i had a diesel car so you've got that diesel thrum of the engine that quite Mm -hmm. deep thrum Uh, and i just had a paranoia about all these things and after that after i didn't get hyperacus at first but it was after maybe i say two months three months or something like that that i got it and that was with constant protection of the ears
1: yeah, I think there was an, uh, one study on animals that seemed to prove that uh, overprotecting mm. could actually induce uh, hyperacusis. Yeah, and it kind of seems logical. If you're training your whole auditory system to operate on these very, very low uh, volumes, mm. then the auditory system is gonna be yearning for that input and it's gonna like, well, yeah. you know, um, turn up the volume uh, even more and more.
2: Well, I think people could probably do it, like I, I've i done this experiment where I've worn, um, even like the landscapers come in there right outside my window and I'm trying to get work done. And certain sounds also will make my tinnitus worse. So I just wanna avoid, like it'll temporarily make it like a certain pitch or something. Mm. So I'll wear headphones and then when I take the headphones off, I notice that my tinnitus is louder. And I think it's because my brain is lacking that audio input from wearing headphones that even when I take them off, my brain is still amping everything up, incre- mm-hmm. which is also the, the tinnitus. Well, the brain thrives on input. It's a right. constant moving system, isn't
0: it? It's not like it, it's happy when you're quiet. When you're quiet, it needs input, it needs all these things going on. You know, it's a, the whole body works on this input happening all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's. It just doesn't work very well if you deprive it. Well, you, it's like the anechoic chamber experiments. You know, people, I think the vast majority, if not everybody, will hear tinnitus mm-hmm. in an anechoic chamber. And I think, people, what is it, something like half an hour? There's nobody can go longer than half an hour in one. Right.
2: Yeah. I, I've seen that
0: video. Yeah. 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 yeah it's crazy. So that, that lack of input is just, it, we can't deal with it as human beings.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. Our brain has to then invent something, a phantom sound or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the concept of habituation. So, well, most of you out there, listeners probably have heard of it. But For those of you who haven't, it's a common term in in neuroscience and it basically means getting used to a repeated stimulus to the point where you no longer react to it. So the, the example that's often given is you live next to the train tracks and the train goes by whatever every five minutes it makes a huge racket and um at some point you know people who actually live next to the train tracks will say oh I actually don't don't hear it anymore. So it's something mm-hmm. like that, right? Or, or another example that's often given is when you you sort of put your pants on in the morning, you will sort of consciously feel the feeling of the fabric on your skin, but you don't go through your day consciously feeling your pants on your legs, right? So <laughs> uh those kinds of examples are given and and um people who treat uh so experts who treat people with with tinnitus, and, and there aren't sort of many experts uh, in this field, but that, you know, they will sort of explain this concept to people who are suffering and it um, it it can be beneficial to understand that concept and uh, understand that it's possible to achieve that state. The one sort of, I don't know, thing that sort of annoys me in the way that it's presented by clinicians or experts, again, I briefly mentioned this before, is that it's often presented as something very black and white, and I, I just don't mm. feel that's the case. I, I would say I'm mostly habituated, and most of the time I'm not bothered by my tinnitus. But then something could happen; I get stressed, and then I suddenly hear it, and and uh, and I'm like, oh, oh my god, was that loud noise always there? Why is that noise there? You know, so it's like, yeah. so I just I, I I have a problem with how it's sometimes presented but i think it's a it's an important concept nevertheless to understand where do you guys feel you are would you say you are habituated and how do you see the the concept um sean do you want to go first
2: yeah um i know habituation like you said is is a controversial topic um because it and i've kind of view habituation as a spectrum because Uh, There's been scientific uh, papers, um, a lot actually that I read, I I made a post on the forum called Habituation Linked to Sensory Memory. And in in that uh, forum post, I linked to a study where they proved that certain people have issues with their brain where they can't habituate. It's a, uh, I don't know if you would call it like a neurological disease or something, but some people just can't habituate. And that's it's a very unfortunate situation. That's not everyone, and I wouldn't suggest that someone just assume you have it. But sometimes habituation can happen to someone very quickly, like, uh, not very quickly, but Hazel, you said it took you about four months. I remember it took me about two years to get to a point where I could say I was habituated. It is a long spectrum and no one's going to be able to tell you how long it will take you. But, um, I would, uh, I, I would like to everyone to give it a chance and to wait out, wait it out and never lose hope that it could happen to you, you know? But yeah, I think it it is controversial because a lot of doctors will just assume that, oh, well, you'll habituate to it. It's a couple of weeks from now, a couple of months, you're not even gonna think about it. Don't worry about it. And then when you return and you're it's still bothering, you haven't habituated, they kind of think of, well, what's wrong with you? What are you yeah. doing? Like, why you know what I mean? And um, so it is something that takes a long time. It's different for everyone. And then there are those individuals who can't do it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's uh it's I think it's still very interesting topic because there's still so much to learn about it i think there's a a thing with
0: habituation as well because to a lot of people and me when i first got tinnitus as well that's kind of like a failure it's like what's it basically you can do nothing about it so habituation is your fallback point you know and then equally if you're not habituated you're a failure you're you're the one who's responsible for your tinnitus why aren't you accepting it? You know, that there's a real, uh, it's a very amorphous topic.
1: Mm, It's a minefield in that sense. Yeah, and I don't don't think those, you know, the types of clinicians that I mentioned, and they tend to be like the the CBT practitioners, and, you know, they really mean well, and they've certainly, many of them have helped uh, a lot of people, but presenting it in that way that, oh, anyone can habituate and, you know, you just have to Uh, reach the state of acceptance, and uh, you know, work hard enough at it, and 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 you'll yeah. be fine. That can be harmful to those people yeah. who really struggle.
0: Oh, definitely, right. absolutely. That I think that's the worst thing you can do because you 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 are effectively telling somebody they're a failure. You know, yeah. and that's not how you deal with it. It's you sort of the the way I would kind of, and I think you you can almost say that we we can all have our own interpretation of habituation. To me, it's getting to that point of accepting. I don't accept tinners because I want their cure and I want to do what I can to help get a cure. But at some point you have to accept I am a person with tinners. That I don't accept that I'm going to have it for the rest of my life because I'm going to do what I can to get rid of it. But I have to accept that it's there. And it's that sort of acceptance of having it. And then you're just like, right, now I need to move on. It's there. There is literally nothing I can do about it there might be things you can do about it but <laughs> once you've had your journey and found out what you can do find out what makes you better what makes you worse and you've got so that sort of equilibrium you have to accept it's there and that's that right. and you have to move on from that point and i think whether you do that cognitively or whether it's happening subconsciously that's kind of a point of just acceptance where you move on
2: and i think also getting to the point of habituation, the tools people will have to ultimately use to get there is different. Like I know, Steve, you said sound therapy really helped you. Mm. Um, For me, it was kind of the opposite where I would always try and mask it. And it wasn't until, like you just said, I accepted that it's there and I'm going to have to listen to it. And then I stopped going to bed with the sound uh, machines and everything. It wasn't until that point where I really saw an increase in my habituation. Mm. So I think it's really something where you just have to test things and try different things and and just learn as you go.
1: I would agree. Mm. Actually, one thing that helped me was I tried a couple of times to meditate to the sound of my tinnitus. So you're literally Mm. using the tinnitus sound as a focus of your meditation. So in meditation, you're always you become like a passive observer of everything that you experience, right? So there's thoughts, there's emotions, there's sounds around you and you just kind of without any judgment try to experience whatever it is you're experiencing and noticing that you're experiencing that. Um, I'm just trying to summarize meditation in like 30 <laughs> seconds. But so I, I, I used that technique to just listen to my tinnitus and purely just listen to it. Nothing nothing more, nothing less and then if you do that for some time inevitably it's you know you reach this state of it's it's a sound and it has no significance Mm -hmm. so and that and that helped me a a lot and i know i know some people will will probably lambast me for (laughs) saying oh you know just saying oh it's it's too easy to say that you know it's a sound without significance it but it's not about saying that. It's just it, it can be helpful to to experience it that way, at least for for a few moments, right? It doesn't right. mean doesn't mean you're always going to be in that state of oh, it's just a sound. Who cares? Right. But
0: and and yeah. I think it's kind of like we all have to find our own truth of tinnitus because yeah. what mm-hmm. works for me doesn't work for you, doesn't work for Sean. Doesn't we we all have our own thing that we have to find, and I think yeah. there's a um obviously we come across people in various states of distress who will rubbish something it's like yeah you need to work out that that just doesn't work for you yeah and then you need to move on to what does work for you and yeah. then again people who will say that this works it's like no it doesn't there is not one thing on the face of this planet that works for everybody right you know that it works for some doesn't work for others you know i'll have like with the audio i'll have people coming in going yeah it's amazing and somebody else going that's rubbish it does nothing it's like, because it doesn't help everybody. You know, it's it's impossible to find anything that does. You have to find your own methodology and your own things that work.
1: I think that's such an important point. And this is where you see all kinds of online discussions going completely awry because yeah. a lot of people assume that their truth, their experience with tennis is the same as everyone else's and right. it's just yeah. not.
2: Yeah, that's the one thing that really bothers me is when I see someone say, you guys just have to do this. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's kind of that's it may sound hypocritical to some because this whole time we've been talking about yeah, yeah. what we do. Oh, if you but, just
1: run three hours per day and only drink right. celery juice, your tinnitus will be cured or right. whatever. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. very,
2: it's very much an individual thing. Yeah. And you, you really have to keep working and searching for what works for you ultimately. Mm. It is, uh, that that's the um, you see
0: you can go back, you can you can cut and paste this into the top tip section because that really is it you have to work on what works for you you've got to you've got to find out your particular idiosyncratic behaviors of the tinnitus and that takes a long time it's not easy yeah. it's like you can't and again people go into something with this hope this is going to work it's like you actually can't do that either because that damages you you've got to go in and say I'm going to do this and see what happens. Um, and that, that speaks a lot to the psychological attitude and that we've probably all been through early on. Yeah. This is going to work. I need it to work.
1: Oh, yeah. Th- actually, this that's a really important point, Steve. And I, I think, in a way you're onto something when you say I'm rubbish with managing my tinnitus or trying things, Hmm. maybe that's not so rubbish because those people (laughs) who keep trying, you know, there's always the next thing that you've gotta try and there's always another Mm -hmm. treatment or another supplement or another stuff. So you can really drive yourself crazy if you keep doing that. Yes, it's important to try things and find what works, but if you constantly like getting your hopes up and, keep looking for the next thing that might help you, that's just going to drive you crazy, isn't it?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we've had it with various different um, clinical interventions across the years. This, I'm not going to mention them by name because some of it's, uh, (laughs) but this this is going to work. This is what I'm waiting for, the cure. I'm not doing anything until this happens. And then this, this is going to work. I'm not interested in anything else. This is a cure.
2: And and people, it's that sort of self-destructive um, and people you, kind of view it as like a baseball game where they're like, Oh, this, this company is going to do it. I know it. And then they start arguing about, "Well, this company is better than that company. Yeah. And, this drug. and it's okay. Okay. Everyone, I think everyone has to say we're, we're optimistic, but if you put all your eggs in one basket, when you drop the basket and they all crack, it's going to be just as devastating. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you kind of have to say, I'm looking forward to all of these. I hope they all work out. But until it's in my case, FDA approved in the US, I can go to my doctor and get it. I'm not gonna jump for joy, you know
1: what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. So do you guys follow much the developments in tinnitus research and, you know, the development of new treatments? Like for instance, the past few years, we've heard a lot about Lanier. Have have you followed those things actively or is it more like Sean just said, oh, I'll wait until, you know, something is actually proven to work and available?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I did, and I don't particularly at the minute um, I don't know. I've just kind of you can follow it so much, and there's only so much that happens. You know, research is slow. So if you're obsessively following research, then you're not really going to get much out of it because you don't get tidbits here and tidbits there that are of any real use. You you have to wait a long time for peer review papers. You have to wait a long time for RCTs to complete. So I'll, I'll just
2: kind of periodically update. Yeah, same with me. I kind of just hop in and out and I'll look forward to things when I hear, like I remember when I was first um, uh, really looking for answers, you know, I was reading it pretty much every day, reading everyone's updates. But yeah, it gets to a point, like Steve said, where you kind of just come back, graze a little bit, see what the general picture looks like, see where the status of things are. And then you kind of go back to focusing on yourself, which is ultimately what you have to do because Those things take years, and if if you're gonna wait for that one thing and be miserable that whole time, you're not gonna have a good time. You really have to focus on yourself, and hopefully, those things come up as your journey goes.
1: Yeah, I would say that's a that's a healthy attitude, and um, and I I think it's good to have a healthy dose of skepticism about any any new treatments coming to market, like we've seen with Lanier, like. I mean, when I read those clinical trial results, it was just so underwhelming to me, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it kind of works for maybe two thirds of people, they get quote unquote yeah. clinically significant improvement, but what is actually clinically significant? I mean, some some group mm-hmm. of researchers has once decided that, you know, an a decrease of X number of points on this survey that people fill out constitutes clinically Mm -hmm. significant but in reality what it means is you go from being extremely bothered to still being quite bothered or something like that you know it it, it doesn't to me doesn't really mean that much it's not success and you could probably achieve the same thing by doing nothing for say like you steve your strategy again i think it's not so bad you could probably achieve the same thing by just letting time go by literally
2: right i think that's what the main problem was with that uh study was that you know, they they got a lot of early onset people and I don't know if they really took into account that naturally it gets better. Yeah,
3: you know? yeah.
2: Well, from a
0: commercial perspective, I would say they probably did. Um, hmm. It's a classic, <laughs> um, a classic, no, I wouldn't call it a trick because that's unfair, mm-hmm. but it's a classic way of testing a theory, bearing in mind, you have to get a lot of money to get these things together. You have to get a lot of investors. So you want to start with the easier wins in proof of concept and to be fair to them as well you do have a lot of data on early onset patients from other trials you know with no intervention and that sort of thing so you can base things off it um but it is going for the easy win group is your best strategy because you want to get next stage of investment you want to expand the products and If you don't get the easy wins and you get a lot of difficult people, if you're really unlucky and you get people who, again, how on earth do you uh, subdivide the groups to make sure that you're not getting people who actually won't respond to audio therapy, so are probably not going to respond to your treatment. You've got a real difficulty in segmenting, so if you go for the easier section where you're most likely to show improvement, then you can move on to that next stage. It's, uh, I mean, I don't envy yeah. anybody getting into it because tinnitus is a horrendous thing to try and do any sort of trial on. And we've seen trials and companies go down the, the tubes in the past, you know, with, because it hasn't performed as they thought it was going to perform. Um, so right. it, it's a really, really difficult thing. And um, I think in terms of the approach, I think it's a good approach. So I'm a tinkerer. I like to actually take something and say, well, what more can I do with it? What else can we do with it? But once you've got your RCT done, your randomised controlled trial, and once you've got a protocol, you can't go outside of that protocol. You're going off label. And if you do that, what happens if you have bad results? So you're kind of cursed to constantly follow that one approach i would love to get linear and i would love to try lots of different sounds with it i'd like to try different patterns mm. i'd like to say what happens if we do this what happens if we do that because i do think there's a lot of mileage and bimodal stimulation you know the more we know about neuroplasticity is the fact that with age it doesn't seem to decline you know we, we can still carry on with people as they get older with the plasticity so why can't we just try different things but we can't because you've got investors and you can't go off-label because then you're risking the investor's money or you're risking mm-hmm. what happens if one single person, you go off-label, you might help 100 people, but one person gets catastrophic tinnitus as a result. by bye mm-hmm. product. You know, yeah, you're screwed. True. So th- yeah. there's a, it's horrendous that you can't experiment, but it goes with the territory.
1: Mm. right sounds like you should try to hack linear uh steve No. <laughs> oh i would i totally
0: would honestly i well i would be all over that i'd love to try out different protocols different things mm-hmm. it would be uh, because it's i think it's got a lot of promise but it's ultimately just like acoustic neuromodulation what do you get you're stuck with four noises in my opinion completely and utterly not correct because you have to adapt your protocol to the individual We are not all the same machine. Yes, I know that it's got a principle and it all works like that, but adapt your protocol, change it for the next person and say, that's not working for you. i tell you what, we'll try this one. That's not working, we'll try this. But they don't because they can't, because they are stuck to the protocol, which is in the published papers, which is, is the one that's been trialed. And again, say like if they
2: go off label and somebody gets bad, and yeah, I was just about to say that too, that I think with Lanier and, and a lot of stuff like that, it ha- it, you can't have a one size fits all because tinnitus is just so different for everyone. Mm. And when I think about an answer to that, I think about um, a forum member uh, who was going to Susan Shore and he had a very situation of mine where he had tinnitus his entire life since he was a young kid, had tubes, put his to station tube dysfunction, all that. Had it for like 26 years, went to Susan Shore for her bimodal stimulation device. And she, in their experiments and in in their trials, were changing it specifically for him. Mm. And the end result was, was that they were able to pinpoint, okay, this is what helps him, this is what doesn't. And he, as far as I know, since his last update, no longer has tinnitus. And it's very, uh, you know, it's very reassuring and it's very optimistic uh, that something like that could happen, but they do have to take it to a point where they individualize it if they mm-hmm. want to get to it and because it d- it did happen with one of our own forum users uh, and you know you you guys can look it up um but it's uh it, it has to be like i in my opinion like you were saying it has to be on an individual level or yeah. else it's just not going to work
0: yeah, absolutely. Because it, we we've all got so many different causes, you know, and it, and it's not just the causes. Take two people with who can pinpoint exact two causes, and they'll respond differently to different treatment. Right. And then we all have noise. If we're using sound as one of the as the stimulation, we all have sound that we like, sound we don't like. You know, we've all got different taste in music, and you have to listen to something which is at least pleasing to some degree. Some things you can't get to pleasant with, but you have to get to something which isn't horrible. Mm. So you can't just work with six sounds and then deliver. It doesn't work. You know, the the human body doesn't work like that. You will get better results with individualization. But, and that's really interesting what you're saying, Sean, about Susan Shaw, because, uh, and I guess the difference there is it's an academic study rather than a corporate, you know, a business study studying it with with investors you've got the, the universities sort of behind it so it's really interesting that they've been able to do something like that which and, and right. i think that that's got to be the way forward the personalization is always going to yield better results to me
2: and if anyone wants to read about what i was specifically talking about i just pulled up his profile. His name is um kelpie msp k-e-l-p-i-e-m-s-p on tonight's talk um, he has uh, threads where he talks about his experience with um, bimodal stimulation and how they like curate it specifically to him and how he now has silence from tinnitus after it's on his, on his page, it says 31 years. So, you wow, know, that's amazing. it is possible. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Steve, I feel like we segued a little bit into your music and audio work. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? And um, what exactly is it that you do in terms of, producing music slash sounds that could help people with tinnitus
0: yeah i mean it, so well as, as you know i'm gonna say but of course nobody else listening would so i do it under the moniker tinnitus works um so i've got it on sort of youtube and spotify apple music and all that sort of thing um so i do um i started off actually i actually started off from the forum Um, Mm -hmm. when the acoustic neuromodulation device first came out before that, I was making sounds for tinnitus, which were basic standard masking, you know, water sounds, birds, Mm. that sort of thing, bit of experimentation, just seeing what sort of worked for me, what helped and all that sort of thing. Um, and then I started with the acoustic neuromodulation, heard the device and was like, okay, so we reverse engineered the device with a number of people on the forum. We all kind of got together and everybody did their little bit. Um, and I started doing it with musical notes rather than with pure mathematical, well, music is mathematical division, but I started doing it with a musical scale because it was a logarithmic scale, just like the device. But of course, our ears are tuned to Western harmony. So I started doing that and it, it seems to have helped a lot of people. Um, it'll quiet and the sin us. It does come back, but then I don't know if repeated use would help. or any. So that kind of got me started on a journey of looking at, Like how can you, what else can you do with music? What else can you do with sound? So I end up, I do, I use that acoustic neuromodulation techniques. I use amplitude modulation, which basically sound go on and off very quickly or at different speeds. And uh, things like um, just general sounds across the frequency spectrum, because what we get in a lot of the music and the sound we listen to, there's not much in the high frequency range. So a lot of music actually does cut the high frequency. In modern years, they don't do that anymore. Um, So for digital music, they've stopped doing this sort of, what used to be called the loudness wars, where you had to sound louder than the next track on the radio. So to do that, they would boost the frequencies that we're sensitive to and cut the frequencies that we're not. So a lot of that high frequency content was cut out of sounds. So if you Mm. listen now to a modern, I say take a, a rock track, listen to a modern rock track, listen to a sort of 80s, 90s rock track, you'll hear a huge difference in the sharpness of the sound because yeah. now they've started putting those higher frequencies in. So I always had a little bit of a suspicion that for those of us who are damaged hearing, that it was damaging to us listening to music because we've got all that frequency content that's not there because they've stripped it out sort of above 8K. Oh, so
1: you loudness. don't get, I never knew that. So you don't get that high frequency stimulation and, yeah. and you're saying we should, we should be getting that?
0: Well, yeah, for me, I think yeah. that's one of the things that, because um, I have a reactive tinnitus to music. Um, so the music that I produce, I don't, because I make sure that if even if I do a rain track, I'll make sure that I've got high frequency. If the rain recording doesn't have mm. high frequencies, I'll add another recording with just the high frequency sound just to pad it out. And then I find that that doesn't make me tinnitus worse. Whereas if I listen to something that doesn't have that high frequency, that it reacts to it and makes it worse. So everything that I make and I produce, I make sure that I've got that high-end stuff in there so that we're getting stimulation across the frequency spectrum. Mm,
1: That's interesting because out in the real world, of course, rain probably does. It does have the high frequency noise, but but because these days we're so much of the time getting our sound input from movies and music and Mm. all those kind of things, if they've cut out all the high frequency Sounds from that. We're not getting the stimulation you would normally get in, in the real world.
0: Yeah. So it's with movies, it is a little bit different. So they, they didn't do that with the movies, but it was more with oh, okay. the records. So what mm, they, they I did see. it with, yeah. um, let's say it was for loudness, perceived loudness. So, you, you know, your ears are more sensitive to mid range where vocals, mm. where speech is. Yeah. So they would boost those mid ranges so that it was perceptibly louder. Mm. Um, and also, that's where we're most um, prone to taking damage. So anybody who's into older rock music, it's, it's actually more damaging to your ears because of the sensitivity at that level. Um, it's great. So speaking as somebody who yeah. was very much into metal and rock, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Where do where do you want to take this next? Like do you have more plans to do stuff with audio and help others with tinnitus?
0: Yeah, I mean I'm carrying on doing it. So I, I do I, I release things sort of periodically. I think I've got about eight things out i can't remember now but eight sort of albums of sounds the last two i've done have been music based things like that but using a lot of amplitude modulation um Mm -hmm. but i don't know i'm just doing it i just do it because (laughs) i get good feedback from people so i just carry on doing it i don't promote it i don't advertise it and i kind of look and think i really probably should but then (laughs) you know for what you make from streaming you do you just don't make any money whatsoever so for the no. 20 pound a month i make from streaming i should probably put that into advertising <laughs> to get yeah, more probably. people yeah okay uh, bear, so, bear p- in mind i get about sixteen thousand streams a month oh
1: that's uh, sounds good i guess yeah, well it is yeah yeah but it
0: equates to <laughs> yeah. about 20 odd quid no. a month it's, oh, okay
1: um, yeah yeah. you're not gonna get rich off of it okay no but, no uh, no it's, yeah,
0: it's yeah. never gonna be yeah. a career. So it's yeah. just something I do because I okay. enjoy doing it and it's therapeutic yeah. to me as well.
1: Okay. So people can check out your YouTube channel if they want. And, and maybe worth mentioning, we also co-created an app called yeah. Tinnitus Play for which you supplied all the sounds and which does allow for some degree of personalization. Um, It's probably yeah. not perfect, but that was the intention and it is free unfortunately it's only on uh, ios not not android that's very unfortunate we haven't gotten funding ever to to do the android version but yeah yeah, it's it's still out there and it's and it's free so
0: i I know it 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 is i think it's the best app that's out there as well Uh, and um, of course i would have a bias towards that yeah but i think um when i cringe when i see people uh, i'll see somebody recommending one of the hearing aid company apps and it's just a few nature sounds and i just think god
1: that's it yeah
0: why have people not discovered tinnitus player you've got this sort of wealth of customization and things that you can do and sounds that you can make and you can try out these uh, therapeutic techniques that you would otherwise pay thousands for for free yeah yeah, it's just like, exactly. why do they not know about this?
1: There you go. Well, now maybe more people will, will <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we've been talking quite a while. We've covered many topics. There is one topic that we, I think, briefly touched on, but I want to get into it, which is how tinnitus is generally displayed uh, or not displayed in the media, like in the public um, sphere. So... Uh, You know, once in a while, you might come across an a a media article about tinnitus. I, I feel like it's a, you know, you hear about it a little bit more frequently than you used to. What's your you guys' perception of that and the way that it's talked about? And is that kind of helpful or not?
0: I think that most media coverage for any health topic is bad, in the sense of you have journalists who are very overworked and all they do is grab a few sound bites mm-hmm. from me there and anywhere and yeah. put a lazy article together so it really um it doesn't do anything for anybody usually and it usually doesn't have very good quality information in it yeah all right there's a little bit of awareness to it but i'd rather have good quality awareness from a high quality article than 20 articles that have just cut and paste from another source
2: i think we had a uh recently when the movie came out with Lady Gaga and um, yeah, Bradley was, Cooper. Yeah, gonna mention the, that one. Marku actually uh, sent in a, that uh, they actually, didn't they uh, contact Marku about giving a quote? I mean, and he basically said that this article is kind of downplaying it. It's very severe for some people, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And mm. it kind of goes to show what Steve just said, that sometimes they just crank out, do a quick Google search, take the first link and just read what it says and then just put it out there without really, getting into the weeds of it which can yeah
1: be yeah that would that movie oh, i forgot the name of the movie what was the name
2: uh star
1: star superstar something yeah. something star? i'll google it quick <laughs> yeah yes. um but that was a real opportunity for some awareness raising because you see bradley cooper's character struggling with the tinnitus so so
2: right which you, from a star is born yeah, a star is or born. a star is born.
1: Yeah, a star is born. Yeah, so it was a great opportunity. Indeed, there was, so there was one article, there were probably several, but there was an uh, an online outlet that published an article on this. And of course, they only reached out to the American Tinnitus Association for a comment. And the comment was something like, Oh, yes, most people get used to it and you know, you'll be fine or something. Mm. And then Marco actually contacted the journalist and said, Hey, I also, we're, we're also, Uh we're another tinnitus right, patient right. organization we, we would also like to give input and make clear that there is a group of you know severe sufferers out there yeah. for whom it's not that easy
2: so I, I feel like that was a big win when i saw that published in the article i felt somewhat validated when 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 Marku did that i yeah, was i was yeah. very happy when i saw that his comment was included in that article
1: mm, mm. Yeah, yeah.
2: but another thing that outside of just journalism i think that the way that tinnitus is also portrayed in media outside of just writing let's say movies and video games and tv shows is that when someone says tinnitus they think of like in a tv show where a bomb goes off or a gunshot and in the movie the character will experience a, t- a, a tinnitus a fleeting tinnitus where you hear that high-pitched sound yeah. and, but then after five seconds it's gone mm-hmm. so a lot of people i think have that con- like misconception of oh, so it's just like kind of there and then it goes away after five seconds. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, And and they've kind of learned that for movies, but it makes sense because you can't have a movie or a TV show with that sound. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be very good good for anybody. The second
1: half of the movie, you have the high Uh, pitch. I I noticed quite recently,
2: actually.
0: There was a game, I can't remember what game it was, but it, um, it had an option to turn off the tinnitus.
2: Oh, God, I wish they had that in every game. It drives me crazy when I'm playing a game in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just like, I was like, whoa, I've never seen that before. That's really good. I wish I could remember what it was now. But uh, yeah, because it does drive you crazy where you'll have the the characters and it'll happen and you're just
4: like, ah.
2: Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. My my, uh, fiance, she loves to watch cop shows and stuff. So it happens kind of frequently. Whenever it happens, I'm just sitting there like, oh, God, when is this going to end? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And how do you feel about how sort of the tinnitus advocacy organizations uh well we're also one of those of course but we know it's a struggle to raise awareness for this condition how do you feel they're doing generally and what's the right way to sort of raise awareness if there is any
0: i mean i i don't know but i've never been sort of big on well i was at first but then I don't think with tinnitus, raising awareness accomplishes much. I think you put in a lot of effort, but you don't get much return. Um, I think the effort should be focused on helping people. Um, so the, the awareness side of it, you have always had this thing analogy wise, which obviously we did a video a little while back, a good while back about the donkey sanctuary and the tens of millions that they get every year. Um and this is the struggle you have you show imagine you get an advert out on prime time you show somebody you show the tinnitus you show what happens your next video is a child in a war-torn country and then after that you've got a donkey the person with tinnitus is long forgotten so the things the other things that are out there are so emotive tinnitus doesn't have a hope in hell It it can't it just can't get with it so i think you can't particularly get away in this out, but I think what you have to do is have high quality information and have support and services for people, in my personal opinion. Anyway. Mm.
2: Sean, would you agree? No, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, without without giving any names, I've um, heard people who've called some of those organizations and um, that were supposed to help people and they were not very helpful. <laughs> so I think what Steve is saying is that, yeah, I think a lot of money in these bigger uh, in these like big organizations who are for tinnitus, they, they need to have, if you have a call line and someone calls, you should really, you know, care more about the person and helping them instead of just reading a, off a sheet and just giving them basic facts, you know what I mean? Um, or having some outreach program or something, because I do think that ultimately we're trying to, the, they should be trying to help people, but ultimately they're more focusing on, getting donations and then spending it however they want on random researchers and stuff like that. I'm obviously not talking about Tinnitus Hub right now. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking
1: That's about. That's a given, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm avoiding saying names of other organizations because yeah. I, I don't want to cause any problems, but um, yeah. I do think some other organizations need to step it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think the messaging is to me often very confused where to the point where I'm, I'm not Clear who the audience is, right? Right, exactly. I think that's the main issue there because if you're going to be, if your aim is to raise general awareness among the general public, then you don't want to downplay the condition. If your aim is to reach people with tinnitus who are struggling, then I understand that you want to say, Oh, look, for most people, it gets better. That can be a helpful message. But those two are often confused to the point where I saw an ad from one of the main tinnitus organizations that started with seeing people in pain and suffering with, with you, know, you were hearing tinnitus noises and seeing people ah, like that. Right. Right. And then the screeching tinnitus noises turned into beautiful music and the mess the and people were encouraged to call the helpline. So it kind of started as a general awareness raising message to make the public understand how bad tinnitus can be and then it evolved into a message yeah to people who are struggling that they should call the helpline and then everything will be okay so it was so confusing like what are right. you trying to accomplish here
0: yeah it's a it's such a double-edged sword of trying to uh, to do that sort of thing you know how do you uh, how do you get the right message out there because no matter what you do you will upset some people yeah that's Um, true. and it, it's so difficult i mean it was always something i struggled with how how much do you accentuate the severity Because you don't want to damage people and you don't want to hurt people, you know, but you also don't want to underplay it. It's just such a, it's a, it's a really, really difficult thing to do. Um, And finding a balance is incredibly hard. You will get criticism from anybody, no matter what you do.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah. It's
0: always difficult,
3: yeah.
1: No matter what you do, of course, we we, mm. we know that yeah. For mm. with the Tinnitus Talk Podcast, Please of course, it doesn't <laughs> matter what kind of episode if you do a, if you do a, an episode on uh, topic A, people will say, "Well, why didn't you talk about topic B?" And it's like, "Well, <laughs> well, that's a different podcast." So yeah. Why did you know? ask this
2: question? Yeah. <laughs> why
1: didn't you do this? <laughs> yeah, it, there, it's always yeah. You you can never do it quite right, of course. Yeah, yeah. but we're trying. So guys, uh, we, we've talked for quite some time and uh, I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but is there anything that you still want to touch on? Um, I don't think
2: so. I think we've gone through everything we had down there i'll I was probably going to remember say, something 20 minutes from now but
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's always the way isn't it yeah. i was gonna say <laughs> we we um uh, you know well enough about me and food so it is nearly feeding time so this is a good mm. sort of break-off point
1: <laughs> yeah yeah okay okay well we'll, 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 we'll no, let you I, get some
0: <laughs> yeah i can't think of anything else i think we've pretty much i think we've covered everything but like i say I'm, I'm i just wing things i haven't got the list in front
2: Yeah. I think ultimately everyone, like everyone, especially a lot of people on Taiko, you just got to stay strong, you know, keep moving forward. Um, and you're going to get through this, you know, you just got to keep, keep trucking.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I think both of you are good examples of that. And, uh, I like the message here where it's like, it's, you know, we're, we're not saying, oh, you know, if you just put your mind to it and try hard enough, we'll be fine. Mm. No, like we're acknowledging it can be really a struggle. And, and, sometimes still is it's not of course you know mm. it's not oh and now i've reached the you know coveted habituation endpoint and everything's uh, rainbows and un- unicorns as steve likes Indeed.
0: to say right. yeah <laughs> i was just yeah. about to say that yeah funny enough, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah um but it, yeah. yeah
0: it's absolutely right the thing is that it's not easy if it is easy well done that's awesome great that's
1: great great for (laughs) you yeah
0: you've got to win but it ain't easy um for the vast majority of us who do get it and do have it in such a way it's not easy and it doesn't continue to be easy you know i i I would um i would get well i don't know if i'd give me left arm but i'd give something (laughs) to get rid of the sinus. um yeah yeah, I'll, I'll be a bit buggered at the gym if I gave away my arm. Mm.
1: So, some, some, yeah. some people probably would give their left yeah.
0: arm. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's a lot I would give for it. And, and you know, if if there was an opportunity to do something about it, generally for research, I'll be all over it. You know, if there was mm-hmm. a, a cure opportunity there, I'd be in on it. Um, right. But I would give a lot for silence. I would love to have silence yeah. back, you know, but I can't obsess over it and I can't sit here bemoaning it. I can grieve the loss of silence
2: in my own way but I can't sit here and be downtrodden by it. Right.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: And and
2: th- I think I hope everyone understands that even though we're talking, having a good time, joking around with each other, we do st- I mean I, spe- I I'll maybe speak for myself. I do still have periods where it is hard. It, it, I'm not joking and I'm not smiling, you know what I mean? It's mm. it's even though I think I've pretty much habituated there are times where it's rough. And I, and it's and it's really hard, you know what I mean? So but I do, you know, you, you got to try and stay positive. Even when you're, you feel you're habituated, you're still going to have those bad, really bad days. You're still going to have those times where you just wish you didn't have tinnitus. You know what I mean? But,
3: yeah, you know,
2: you, you got to just try and stay positive, which is what I think we're trying to do right now. Mm, absolutely. Other. There's days
0: when my other half will just sort of stop and go, is your tinnitus bad? I'm like, yeah, because right. I'm being grumpy. And I'm I'm not particularly <laughs> yeah. very nice to be around, you know, and it's just like, yes, it is bad. And right. but she's aware of that. And it's, you know, the relationship is really good in that respect where she understands it and will be kind of like a bit put out, but knows that I'm just not going to be in a very good mood. And that's that. Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So I think we struck a good balance here, taking it seriously, but also, you know, trying to give some hope or inspiration Mm, um although as you were saying just now sean that we were like joking around i could already see the criticisms like no these guys are just laughing with each other and not no that's why
2: i said that because i know some there there are some people who who are definitely going to see this and say oh well how could they speak on it they're not miserable like me it's like no i was you Mm. i was there i still am there sometimes but i'm not going to let that dictate my entire life, every second of my day. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I, I quite honestly, I don't know how to make a podcast where you know we could all be literally crying and screaming and be right. in hysterics if we <laughs> wanted to show the really bad moments, but I, that doesn't make. For a particularly good podcast, so right. you know that's just. That's,
2: and that's the problem with an invisible illness is that no yeah. one can see it. No one can see your struggle besides yourself when the cameras are off, when you're alone, when no one else is around.
1: Mm, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, guys, I want to thank you so much. I, this was, uh, I have to say, it was kind of a breath of fresh air for me because it felt like a chat with friends, and I didn't have to. <laughs> I didn't have to study up on the topic and the person. So, so it's been yeah. good for me, and I hope for for you as well
2: oh definitely
0: no it's been brilliant thank you very much and of course as you say you are already an expert
3: in the topic yeah we're all experts at having tinnitus (laughs) exactly